Welcome to the serialized audiobook The Cara Files, File 1, The Chase, written and read by the author Tony Warner. File 1, The Chase is the first book in the Cara Files series. All of the Cara Files books are available to purchase from Amazon in both Kindle and paperback formats. Simply visit your Amazon store and search for The Cara Files. Chapter 11 Exactly as Cara had feared, there was no power. There was no way to call the lift to enter the complex, and as far as she knew, this was the only way in. That meant one thing. She would have to get the lift doors open and somehow make her way down. Kara was not about to give up. She was so close now. After an hour roaming around the house and the grounds, she found some outbuildings, one of which was a workshop. She lugged a toolbox back into the hall and set to work on the lift doors. It took two hours of hard work to get the heavy doors to slide open. By then it was dark and although she had a torch, she didn't want to use up the battery. She would need it when she finally got into the underground complex. Looking down into the black depths of the lift shaft only confirmed what she already knew. Opening the doors was just the first step in a difficult process. The lift seemed to be at the bottom of the shaft. Somehow she'd have to get down and onto the roof of the lift car, get inside and then open the doors. Only then would she finally be inside the complex proper. Sighing, she stepped back from the shaft. That was it for today. She could do no more. Today is another day, eh, Millie? She asked the creature that was scuttling around her feet. Millie stopped her running around and looked up at her for a second and then resumed running up and down the hall. What on earth are you doing? asked Cara. Millie disappeared into the kitchen. Are you hungry? Cara followed. She was hungry herself. It had been a long, hard day. Tomorrow she would enter the complex. Tomorrow she would find a portal generator and she would be with May. The next day after breakfast, Kara returned to the lift and pondered what she was going to do. After examining the shaft carefully, she noted that there was no ladder and the lift cables were thick and greasy. It was also difficult to know how far down the bottom was. This was going to be both difficult and dangerous. Kara spent some more time in the workshop searching. She found some rope, gloves and another torch. She intended to fasten the rope securely and then lower herself down. It took some time to decide where to fasten the rope. In the end, she lugged a long, thick iron bar from the workshop and braced it across the lift doorway on the floor. Fastening the rope to its centre, She tied the backpack to the other end and lowered it down the shaft. She heaved a sigh of relief when the pack touched down on the lift car roof. At least the rope was long enough and the shaft was not that deep, probably about 50 metres or so. The bar could easily carry her weight. As long as it didn't move sideways and fall through the doorway, she would be fine. Carefully, she got down on her stomach and slid her feet down into the shaft, her gloved hands gripping the rope. Slowly, she moved downwards. As she descended, she was able to use her legs whenever she came to thin ledges on the shaft wall. 
Looking up, she could see Millie staring down at her. I'll be back as soon as I can, she gasped up at Millie. The lift entrance grew smaller and smaller as she lowered herself downwards and it wasn't too long before her booted foot hit the roof of the lift car. Kara collapsed lying on her back, her breathing ragged and her muscles shaking. Up above Millie screeched and Kara watched in shock as Millie leapt into the shaft to grasp the lift cable. Millie, she shouted, with what little breath she had. Millie clung to the cable with all six of her claws and slowly slid downwards. Kara couldn't believe it. Was there no end to Millie's talents? In less than a minute, Millie had joined her on the car roof. Well, that was pretty amazing, said Kara, sitting up and wrapping her arms around the spiny creature. You clever girl. Ew, yuck. Millie's claws were covered in oil and grease, some of which was now on Kara's t-shirt. Kara brushed at it with her gloved hands, which only succeeded in smearing it everywhere. What a mess, exclaimed Kara. You need to clean yourself up, she admonished Millie, who was rubbing her head on Kara's leg while making her familiar grunting noise. Now fully recovered from her ordeal, Kara quickly located a hatchway through which she would be able to enter the lift car. It was locked shut with a simple drawer bolt, which had two thick cable ties locking it into place. She retrieved a knife from her pack and after cutting the ties, pulled the hatch open. Inside, it was inky black. While searching for a torch, she was surprised to see Millie jump through the tiny doorway. Switching on the torch, she shone it down into the car to see two jet-black eyes staring back up at her. Well, that's a good trick. I won't be anywhere near as graceful, she told Millie. First, she untied her pack from the rope and dropped it down. Then she lowered herself slowly, grasping at the hatch edges and scraping her stomach and chest painfully as she dropped down. She landed on her heels and immediately fell backwards, winding herself with the fall. Millie lowered her head to Kara's and licked her cheek. Told you, said Kara, when she could breathe again. Millie licked at Kara's cheek again and ran over to the closed door. Kara retrieved her dropped torch and lifted her t-shirt to examine the damage. She had a long, wide scrape reaching from her jeans to her bra. It was superficial, but it was bleeding a lot and it stung like hell. There was nothing she could do about it now, so she tucked her t-shirt into her jeans, wincing as the cloth touched her skin. She faced the doors and grimaced. This was going to take a lot of effort and some time. Sighing, she retrieved a crowbar from her pack and set to work. It took another two hours of hard work and a lot of swearing before she had the doors open. The light from her torch directed through the open doors revealed a long white-walled corridor. What do you think, Millie, she asked. Looks like it's empty like all the houses. Millie grunted and scuttled through the doors and ran down the corridor. Wait, shouted Kara after Millie's rapidly disappearing form. But Millie took no notice and was gone. Kara wondered how Millie could see in the dark. Clearly it presented no problem for her. Well, there was no time to waste. She picked up her pack and throwing it over one shoulder, she stepped into the long corridor. Kara had not realised that the complex would be so large. She had been searching the dark rooms and corridors for a long time. So far, all of them were empty of people. Many of them were medical in nature, containing beds or examination chairs with cupboards and drawers full of equipment and drugs. 
In one, Kara took the time to dress the wound on her stomach. Resting the torch on an examination bed, she aimed it at her middle while she smeared her stomach with antiseptic cream and wrapped a bandage around herself. She and Millie made their way deeper and deeper into the blackness of the complex, peering into rooms and cupboards as they went. So far, the only thing of interest was a canteen. It contained rows of tables and chairs, and in the back there were cupboards full of canned food. Cara resolved to come back to enjoy a meal later. Right now, she was single-minded in her search. She needed to find a portal generator. Eventually, she entered a corridor that terminated in large double doors. Above the doors was a sign. It said, Control. This did not sound promising, she thought. What she needed was a room labelled something like engineering or laboratory or something like that. Still, it was worth investigating. Pushing the doors open, she shone her torch into the interior. The first thing she noticed was a glowing red light on a console. This was the first working light apart from her torch that she had seen in six days, so it drew her attention straight away. Kara walked into the room with Millie trotting behind her, moving towards the light. Moving her torch around, she suddenly screamed when the light landed on a figure sat at another console. The figure sat unmoving, slumped in a large leather-backed chair. Hello? Kara's voice was timid and shaky. There was no response. Millie was unperturbed. She walked into the room and passed the figure, which still made no move. Hello? Kara said again. When there was still no movement, she crept forward a step at a time. Are you all right? she asked as she neared the chair. There was no answer. As she approached, she saw why. The figure in the chair was dead. Its mouth was open and its eyes were closed. The skin on its face was taut and yellowish. Both of its hands were still gripping armrests and the right hand had rings on each finger. Kara shuddered. This was the first body she had seen. It was horrible. She forced herself to look closer. There was no obvious cause of death. On the console in front of the body, there were many screens, one of which was very dimly lit. So dim, she didn't notice it at first, but now that she did, she could clearly see a single line of text displayed. Phase screen activated, system overload, shut down in progress. She had no idea what that meant. Could it have something to do with this person's death? or even the disappearance of everyone else? There was no way to tell. Further into the room, the red light glowed on another console. Leaving the dead person behind, she walked up to the light. It was in the centre of a large console covered in switches and other lights which were not lit. They all had text written below them, none of which she understood, but the red light had a label which said, Power Failure. And below it was a switch which was labelled, Secondary generators. She debated with herself. Did that mean the switch turned on the secondary generators? And if it did, would all the power in the complex come on? Or did it refer to something else? Should she flick the switch? Did she dare? Would something go wrong? A small part of her wondered if the whole place would blow up. Some lights would definitely help in her search. And if there was power, the microwave and coffee machine would work in the canteen. Her stomach growled as she thought of making hot chocolate and toast. What do you think, Millie? she asked. Millie didn't reply. She was sniffing at the feet of the dead body. Millie, shouted Kara, leave that alone. That's disgusting. Millie looked up. 
She gave a grunt and wandered away into the room's darkness. Kara looked back at the switch and bit her lip. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath and flicked the switch. You have been listening to The Cara Files, File 1, The Chase by Tony Warner. Performed and produced by the author. Music for this episode is Lone Wolf by Guillerme Bernards. You can contact me on Facebook at Tony Warner Author or by sending an email to cywarbook at gmail.com. That's P-S-I War Book, all one word, at gmail.com. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, spread the word on your favourite social media platform and tune in for the next episode.